Hey, y'all, Matt Wyatt here, Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast. Uh, just a heads up, um, recorded um, about 20 minutes or so of breaking down the Thursday night Egg Bowl, the battle for the golden egg. Uh, I was using a different microphone. It started to go dead on me at the end of it. You'll be able to hear kind of the difference in uh, switching over from one microphone to the other, but it's not a big deal. You'll be able to hear it just fine, just kind of giving you a heads up. So I uh, just wanted to let you know, uh, today in the Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast presented by Farm Bureau, Farm Bureau, go with the home team, and presented by Mississippi Land Bank at mslandbank.com where they understand the lay of the land. You're going to get a full kind of statistical and then look and a few of the schematical things I see in the Thursday night game of what happened. And then we'll take a look at the rest of the SEC, a wild one last night at uh, Texas A&M and elsewhere and that's coming up on the Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast. Hey, good morning. Welcome into the Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast. I'm Matt Wyatt, and the show is presented by Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. And it's also presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank, they understand the lay of the land. Any land need, farmland, hunting land, land to build a dream home, maybe even selling it. Uh, that's who you need to do business with in North Mississippi is Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. So I'm sitting here with you on Sunday. Of course, uh, Battle for the Golden Egg happened on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, which seems like a long time ago. <laughs> a lot of football has uh, gone under the bridge, so to speak, uh, since then. But I'll uh, kind of dive into the recap of that. Of course, um, you know, if you keep tuned to this podcast channel, you would have seen that had a Friday radio show the morning after uh, the Egg Bowl. And so that was two hours of phone calls, and but it wasn't a lot of deep dive on stats and things like that. It was just, you know, a lot of uh, reaction, which was a lot of fun. It was a great Friday radio show. It really went by quickly because we had so many calls and texts and, and all that. And <clears throat> those are fun for me because you as a listener kind of drive what the topic is. You, you decide what that is. And instead of me putting content for the show together based on what I think you want to hear, I don't have to guess. I know what you want to hear because you call and tell me what you want to talk about. So those are always fun. But again, wasn't necessarily like a deep dive into the game. So we can do a little bit of that now on the Sunday morning quarterback podcast, looking back at the uh, Mississippi state Ole Miss final. And then of course, around the sec is so interesting uh, to me, some of the other things that have happened and starting with Texas A&M LSU last night, I, I uh, will admit that I missed all of the overtimes because I thought the game was over at the end of regulation. I was watching, here I was getting sleepy, and I have a tendency to when sleep when sleepiness hits, I I just DVR the rest of it, and go to bed, and watch it at, in the morning at four a.m. And I kind of thought that's what I would do here, but uh, you know, I'm watching the game, and there's nothing to DVR. It's over. It's it. It's over. Done. Because LSU intercepted a pass. There was a big celebration. Uh, the announcer says that'll wrap it up. Uh, LSU is going to go to 10 wins. <laughs> and I clicked, boom, and went to bed. And that was it. 
And boy, was I wrong. Yeah, so apparently on that last play that I saw where Kellen Mond with about 30-something seconds left throws an interception, he bobbled the snap as it came back to him and kneeled down to pick the football up, which it was missed live. I didn't see it live. You know, nobody caught that live until you see a bunch of replays. Hats off to the officials for being able to catch that, uh, I guess. But so apparently after I clicked it off and went to bed, they reviewed that and decided that he was down, that his knee was down with possession of the football. Therefore, that pass that was intercepted never happened. And it gave them another opportunity, and they wound up throwing a touchdown. As time expires, an incredible catch by a kid from A&M to tie the game. And here we go into overtime. Seven overtimes. I mean, it's just wild. So was it uh, 31-31 at the end of regulation? In overtime, in the seven overtimes combined, A&M scored 43 points and LSU scored 41. (laughs) So uh, I guess the difference being a two-point conversion. I haven't watched all those, but it's just incredible. And I I hate it. I mean, because it's really the last regular season college football to watch. And – I would have tried to step and watch it or at least DVR it and watch it this morning. Thank goodness for YouTube. I can go see what happened. Uh, But I kind of hate I missed it. And it was such a sure thing. I didn't see that his knee was down when I'm watching it live. He throws it, Delpit intercepts it, ball game, celebration. I'm sure it's over. I turned the TV off. I'm sure millions of other people did too. (laughs) So anyway, that was crazy. Um, but probably not going to go stat for stat breakdown on that. But as it pertains to the bowl pecking order, uh, I'll talk a little bit about that also. You're listening to Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast presented by Mississippi Farm Bureau. They call themselves the home team. They, uh, you see the, the billboards uh, go with the home team, and they are your home team. And the reason is is because they are. Um, that company and the local agents across the state of Mississippi and All 82 counties are primarily people from those areas that have been there their whole lives, that know the people, know the areas, and they're members of the community. Uh, I met a man just the other day named George Collins up in Olive Branch who's been with Farm Bureau over 35 years. He actually started in Hernando, and now he's in Olive Branch. But during that time, for 30 of those years that he's been a Farm Bureau, local Farm Bureau agent. He's also served as an alderman for the city of Olive Branch. He's the alderman at large now uh, in the city. And as so many examples like that of people who are the local Farm Bureau agents, but they also are serving a community in a lot of different ways and have their whole lives. And so that's why they are the home team. It's not just a tagline. And this show is also presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank understands that farming is not just the simple life. It's big business a lot of times. There's employees and big equipment and spreadsheets and big math. And sometimes you need a big loan uh, for equipment or for land. And that's where Mississippi Land Bank comes in because they're people, they are farmers. They understand farming. And then also um, they can help you with uh, recreational land purchases and searching for it and They just kind of have the people you want to do business with, and I certainly am happy to tell you about them. That's Mississippi Land Bank in North Mississippi. Look them up at mslandbank.com. 
Coffee.com. Sip of coffee and then we'll be off. Thanks for the coffee. Dan, the coffee man, Dan Skinner, High Point Roasters, New Albany, Mississippi. Thanks for the mug, the High Point Roasters mug that was handcrafted in Pontotoc right down the road. Just across on the other side of uh, Highway 15 right there in Union County. Well, Pontotoc and Union County uh, neighbor each other. Okay, so uh, back to Thursday night, 35-3, to final score. State, it was one-sided. It was a lopsided ball game. Um, of course, um, you know, one of the drama-filled moments that everybody's talking about is the play that's called back at the end of the third quarter and the pushing, the shoving, a fight. And I always think fights in football are in some ways stupid because nobody ever gets hurt. You're all wearing pads. The, the only stupid thing that ever happens is someone takes – their helmet off in a fight, you know, but generally nothing happens. It's just a lot of penalties. Um, I will confess, I don't think she minds me telling you this, but the homecoming queen loves to see a good fight during a football game. <laughs> she, it, she said it's so exciting and, and you know, the, the drama of it is must see TV and, uh, when the fight broke out the other night, I'm calling the game on the radio and she sends me a text that says, I love a good fight exclamation point. <laughs> and I think she would be a, she'd be a, she'd be a great wrestling fan. If we could get into it, she loves, there's something about that high drama that she really likes. And, um, I think it was last night we were here and we had the Kentucky and the Louisville game on and right at the beginning of some pushing and shoving and players come out from both sides. And she said, see what I mean? Isn't this great? <laughs> and it's so funny to hear that from the sweet little old uh, homecoming queen. But anyway, the fight is what it is. Who cares? You know, you're going to have them. And to all these, what I say is to all these, you know, media who, especially in-state media, who feel as though they need to placate people outside the state and apologize for the fact that, it's rough and they get in fights in this rivalry and there's all this passion and it's heated and you know, that need to, the people that feel like they need to apologize for that. I say, shut up, not apologizing for the fact that it's a heated rivalry and they really get after each other. Um, and to act as if it's the only one that's that way. is just complete lunacy. It's absurd. It is what it is. I like it. Lots of passion. Good. Sure. There are things you shouldn't do. Don't throw punches, you know, sure. Okay. But guess what? It's going to happen some. It's going to happen some. And anybody wants to look down their nose at it, they need to look in the mirror. Okay. Um, back to the ball game. Completely one sided ball game. Just completely one sided. 420 yards of offense for State, 189 for Ole Miss. Like if you look at the quarters and the, the, the numbers in each quarter, um, the state dominated every quarter. In the first quarter, 150 yards to 63. Second quarter, a little closer, 97 yards to 68. Third quarter, state outgained Ole Miss 173 to 58. And in the fourth quarter, no, I'm sorry, that was first, that was second half. I, I, I skipped one. In the third quarter, it was 289 to 205. That's where most of Ole Miss's yards came in. But if you look at the fourth quarter, Ole Miss had negative 16 yards of offense in the fourth quarter. 
State has been a very good fourth quarter team for the most part this year, uh, especially in their wins. And a lot of that's because what's happening is they play so many people on defense, they just never wear out. They're not tired. And other teams are wearing out. Other lines of scrimmage wear out when you don't – and Ole Miss wore out. When you don't have depth and you're not playing a ton of guys, you kind of beat up, and State's just running fresh people out there, play after play after play. And the other thing is Ole Miss only ran 54 plays in the game. You know, you could run 84 plays and State's defense still wouldn't be tired because they rotate so many guys in and out um, on that defensive front. But only 54 plays, they're good and fresh. So Ole Miss had negative yards of offense in the fourth quarter. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald was just so smooth and, like, in control for most of the game. Now, there were a few times where Ole Miss got him off the field. Let's see, after State went up 14 nothing, there were a few stops in a row there. I feel like some of that is because, you know, Ole Miss adjusted and did it and instead of – you know, five people around the line of scrimmage and actually giving State some zone coverage every now and then that they would run the ball against. After it was 14 then they pretty much exclusively went man-to-man and got six people with their feet on the line of scrimmage pre-snap and were, were doing everything they could to force State to take the ball off the ground and put it in the air some. And State thought, well, okay, we'll adjust and we'll hit some of these. They just didn't hit them for about two or three series there. Uh, but outside of that, I just thought Nick was really in control, really smooth. He never really had an issue with, you know, throwing a ball in traffic, maybe getting it picked off. It was not close. And he finished, according to the official stats, 11 of 18 for 111 yards and a TD. And then he ran the ball 18 times for 117 and two touchdowns. So he's a difference in the game. Kylan Hill's really good, 17 carries, 108 in the touchdown. Eris Williams, 11 carries, 64 um, and a touchdown. But the story was State's defense. Um, 11 tackles for loss, four sacks. Three turnovers that you cause in the game, and the first two, State's offense goes out and immediately turns that into 14 points. Um, So 14 points off of three turnovers. What was it? uh, One fumble and two interceptions. Yeah. Let's see. What One of the interceptions was – well, the fumble – was on the Ole Miss end of the field, and the interception set stayed up on the Ole Miss end of the field too, so they didn't have far to go to turn it into 14 points in that game also. And in a game like that, when, you know, when you're Ole Miss and you're completely overmatched physically, especially on the line of scrimmage, you're overmatched physically, the one thing you can't do is turn the ball over on your own end of the field. I mean, that just spells, you know, it puts an L on the board right there. Just that part of it does when you're you're kind of outmatched, and so um, they did, you know, Ole Miss did the things you can't do, turning it over on your own into the field, giving up you know explosive plays in the run game to the other team, and but again that's kind of been who they are all year long. But all that said, still for that Ole Miss offense with those players to be held to 189 yards of offense, it's just unheard of, and nobody saw it coming. You know, Ole Miss has had a bunch of games against good defenses this year where they put up a lot of yards. They didn't score a ton of points. They had 16 against LSU. They had 16 against Auburn. What, scored a touchdown against Alabama. And and then, but put up a 
a grand total of a field goal in this game and only, you know, move the ball for 189 yards of offense. And I guess they had what one um, semi-explosive play in the pass game, and that was a pump and go to AJ Brown for 33 yards uh, there in the second half. You know, they did it again, and that's how they got him open for what looked like a touchdown, but the play didn't happen because they didn't get it off in time at the end of the third quarter. So they really only have one explosive play of 33 yards in the game in the pass game. And when you're talking about that quarterback, an NFL first-round offensive tackle, an NFL tight end, two soon-to-be NFL receivers and A.J. Brown to Marcus Lodge, and maybe uh, you know an Elijah Moore or somebody coming up later on, who will be an NFL receiver. You're talking about those skill people and to give up one explosive play in the past game of 33 yards is just incredible. I mean, it really is. They gave up one long run in the game of 21 yards. And so state finishes the regular season. The only defense in the country did not allow a single play all year long of 50 yards. Now think about that. They're the only defense in the country not to allow a single play all year 50 yards yards or more you know and they're playing a, this is a game where you know the team's got the other team's got nothing to lose and they got nfl skill people and they've been hitting home runs against everybody they play you know they hit a a bomb to metcalf to begin the alabama game that was all they got but they did it and then you go in there and hold them to 189 yards and only 152 yards in the pass game and part of that, too, is because you knocked Jordan Tom out of the game. He was 8 for 17 for 87 yards, no touchdowns and interception. Corral goes in there as 5 for 8, 65 yards, no TDs, and an interception. And, you know, on the fumble there in the first quarter, uh, you saw the replay, and Tom, who sure enough, real deal, dislocated that pinky finger on his throwing hand. When I saw the replay, I thought, oh, it's broken. And I actually was surprised when he came back in. And then, you know, I guess it was dislocated. They put it back in place. He was able to throw the ball some. Um, right after that, he did throw a deep ball that was underthrown, which led me to believe that he could be struggling with that. And maybe that played into a little bit of, you know, why he eventually left the game for good. But I know that when he threw that interception, he got really popped hard and the ball fluttered out of his hand. He kind of came up and maybe his shoulder was now bothering him. And so he was unable to go back in the game, and Corral had it the rest of the way. And he actually made some plays, Corral did. He um, he was actually their second leading rusher in the game with six carries for four yards. I'm going to say that again. Matt Corral was the second leading rusher in the game for Ole Miss with six carries for four yards. Um, but he was five of eight for 65, did throw the interception. It was a deep ball, and one of the better interceptions you'll ever see by Maurice Smitherman. Uh, in the end zone. So just a completely one-sided deal. Um, State did throw some wrinkles at him on offense. Uh, You know, the one touchdown play where Nick Fitzgerald motioned out of empty, they motioned Kylan Hill back to the backfield the same way they were motioning him from the receiver slot against like Auburn, and it worked so well in the run game, they run the speed sweep out of it. And this time they motioned him back there, snapped the ball to Fitz. Hill continued to the other side of the formation like he's running a screen. And so uh, Fitzgerald raises up like he's going to throw that screen to Hill. The defense reacts, gets out of position. He pulls it back down, and now it's quarterback draw, and he splits them 
and goes and runs a touchdown. There were some different wrinkles in the game, but not a ton, actually. I mean, it was a lot of it was just base run game, zone run game that Ole Miss could not stop, and a few play action things here and there. The big back shoulder throw to Gidry on the touchdown drive just before half, and you know the two throws on the last scoring drive to Jesse Jackson were really, um, really Jesse Jackson making a play in that it was uh, third and ten, and he caught a screen pass that was a tough catch in traffic and then broke about three tackles on his way to a 16-yard run. And then the very next play, he got a play-action pass on skinny post and had to make a diving catch down at the one-yard line. It was a really great catch. Um, uh, For Ole Miss, uh, there were a few wrinkles here and there uh, that they, you know, tried throughout the game. Uh, There were some different formational things in their offense and certainly their defense. I actually felt like Ole Miss's defense had a good plan. You know, schematically, they were the plan was what it had to be, and that is play man to man. You got to win in some coverage, and they did, so that everybody else can get involved in the run game. They went three man fronts and four man fronts, mixed it around. They put guys on the edge. They were sound in what they were trying to do schematically on that side of the ball. They just didn't have the players to pull it off. State's offensive line uh, was really good when they substituted guys they played well you know you saw um michael story get in there at offensive guard some as a backup early in the game you saw state rotating some offensive tackles early in the game tyree phillips went in at left tackle tommy champion goes in at right tackle and they both played really well uh knocking people around Stuart reese had some big time pancake blocks on runs in state um you know combated it again just by zone run game that you know they were just more physical. So it was a physical mismatch in the game. Uh, right after the game, the next morning, they fired Wesley McGriff, a defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, which, um, I, you know, I don't know. You give up a lot of points. You give up 35 points in seven of their ball games this year, and, you know, you're probably not surprised uh, by that move. Uh, it, that's not a just a an egg bowl move because in that game, it's hard to evaluate your coach when – you just don't have the players to hold up to the other guys. The plan in that game was pretty sound, I thought. But anyway, they're going to have a changeover there. Wouldn't be surprised if it had some other changeovers. Uh, you can't be one-dimensional on offense. You know, you got all these NFL players, uh, two surefire NFL receivers, probably an NFL tight end, definitely an NFL offensive tackle, a record-setting quarterback, and – you score 16 points against Auburn, 16 against LSU, seven against Alabama, and three against Mississippi State. And then what do you do? You fire your defensive coordinator. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll see if there are more changes to come there. Um, felt like a lot of times throughout the year, though, that overall as a staff, they did a pretty good job in a situation at Ole Miss where they didn't have a postseason to play for, but players were playing hard every week. They never seemed to lose them which sometimes that could be the toughest thing. All right, uh, and I'll wrap it up here with you. You look around the SEC at scores over the weekend. I guess you had, what, you had one Friday game in the SEC, which was Arkansas-Missouri. No contest. Missouri 38 to nothing win over Arkansas. They played it in the rain. It was hard to watch because Arkansas is just so bad. They're 2-10, and 0-8. Oh and, and you look around, I mean – I know it's a first-year head coach and it's a first-year system, and I've always thought that Chad Morris is the real deal 
as an offensive coach. And I like some of the stuff I saw this year from Ty Story. But I'm telling you, yeah, that's that's a train that's at the bottom of the hill that's hard to get going uphill. When you finish two and ten and zero oh and eight in year one as a new staff, um, that's tough. That's no improvement whatsoever from what you did previously. Um, and so the people that kind of know that situation intimately, they got to take a real hard look at it. And if it indeed is just personnel problems, then okay. But if you got other stuff, you better get it addressed quick. Because like Coach Cheryl used to say, when that train bottoms out, it's hard to get it going back uphill. And then uh, the Saturday games. The Iron Bowl. Competitive first half. Uh, 17-14 lead at halftime for Alabama. And then it winds up 52-21. to It was a lot like the Citadel, wasn't it? What was the score in that game last week? When um, they were tied at halftime with the Citadel and beat them 50 to 17. This week, they only have a 13, a, a three point lead at halftime over Auburn and it went, wind up 52, 21. So last week, 50 to 17 after being tied at half with Citadel this week, 52, 21 after a close game with Auburn at halftime. So Alabama's just on a different level. And, um, the officiating in that game, I thought both ways was really bad. There was this obvious face mask when, Tua Tagovailoa scrambling, they don't call it. There was a couple of obvious Auburn holding uh, jobs by offensive linemen. And I know they say, okay, holding on every play. I get it. But when it's way out in the open and it's super-duper obvious and it keeps a guy from getting the QB, you got to call it. Auburn got away with a bunch of it. Alabama got away with a bunch of holding. Um, there were other things that, I mean, they just – it's almost like sometimes this year officiating crews go into the game knowing – Look, Alabama's so good, they're not losing this game. Why do we even bother? <laughs> Why do we even – they just go to sleep. I mean, they were kind of asleep at the wheel during that game, I thought. Uh, it didn't matter. Alabama wins big, and they're off to the SEC title game. Uh, I will say that there was a vicious hit in the game on Ryan Davis, the receiver of Auburn. He had to leave. An obvious concussion. A targeting and ejection for an Alabama player. The play happens – Immediately, Ryan Davis, you could tell that he was concussed and knocked unconscious. His arms lock out. Uh, he goes to the ground. He's got no control. Another Alabama player actually held his head off the ground. It was a pretty good move, realizing you got a player who's out on his feet right there and kind of held him his head up. I mean, it was just a reactionary move. Showed his heart was in the right place. And you're watching it on TV, and the first thing, in the split second, the first thing out of Gary Danielson's mouth was about the player who delivered the hit for Alabama. Oh, if he if this if this is an ejection, he's going to have to miss the first half of the SEC championship game. And I just think if you're the analyst on the game, you got an unconscious player on the field after a vicious hit. I don't want the first thing out of your mouth to be how the the offending player is going to have to miss next week. Um, but pretty telling. And then on an Alabama touchdown. Early in the game, it was a good no call, but the receiver for Alabama did, while the ball was in the air, extend a stiff arm to create some space. He did a little push off to create some space, and and all Danielson could do was go on and on about what a great throw it was. When really it was pretty close, it could have been a push off. And then later in the game, there's the underthrow for Auburn. The Auburn receiver comes back, catches the ball, and scores. 
And all he could talk about was how it was a near push-off. It should have been a push-off. He pushed off, he pushed off. And he didn't. And then they go to commercial break and come back and show the replay. And after he's seen it now, it was so obvious he had to change his tune because the Alabama defensive back was holding the arm of the receiver. It was pass interference, but it didn't call it. It was fine. And he was still able to get away and make the play. And so he's hard to listen to. Uh, the, the overtime game, seven overtimes for A&M and LSU. I kind of hate I missed it. I'm going to go back and watch them, but I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it was – I turned it off, you know, interception with 30 seconds left. Grant Delpit seals the game for LSU, and the announcers on TV say, you know, LSU's going to 10 wins, and I turned it off and then wake up and see that it went to seven overtimes and A&M won. Kind of a surprise there. Uh, Florida, no trouble with Florida State. Florida State is – not going to play in the postseason for the first time since 1976, the year that Bobby Bowden took over the job. That is absolutely incredible. Florida beats them 41 to 14. Um, Florida State is a horribly coached football team, and you could see it in the first game. Horribly coached football team. They are, period. Uh, Kentucky 56, Louisville 10, no trouble. Kentucky is a nine win football team. Hats off to Terry Wilson, a big day for him, throwing the ball, 17-23, 261, and three TDs. And then Vandy, 38-13, to went over, over Tennessee in Nashville. Uh, Tennessee's horrible. Vandy, a 6-6 six and six year, good for them. Kyle Shermer was outstanding, 31-35, of 35, 367 yards and three TDs. Vandy's going bowling. Uh, Tennessee is not. And what's that, the third straight year that Vanderbilt has beat Tennessee? Just incredible. How does Tennessee get to that point? And I think we'll all be glad when Tennessee gets back on track because the league just is more fun when Tennessee's good and and added into the mix, I think. But it's not up to us. It's up to them. they got to get that thing figured out. They won two SEC games this year. One of those was at Auburn. That, that was an unexcusable loss for Auburn. And it came on the heels of the, what, the loss to Mississippi State? Was it right after that? Um, so... Yeah, that's a, a quick glance at what happened this weekend. Oh, and Georgia beating up on Georgia Tech. It was no trouble. They were up huge. What were they up? 38 to – was it 38? Yeah, it was 38 to 7 at halftime. 45-21 the final. Jake Fromm threw four touchdowns and only threw the ball 16 times. So a fourth of his TD attempts went for TDs. Uh, uh, a fourth of his pass attempts went for TDs. I'll get it right. Okay, and so finally, you know, you're looking at SEC title game, Alabama-Georgia. We know that whole deal. Georgia may actually challenge them. I don't know what the line will be, but I think that, you know, I, I, did, I don't think this is a walk in the park for Alabama like the rest of their games have been. Georgia playing good football right now. Um, so we'll see what the line is. But then beyond that, the bowl situation for everybody else. Here's what I would tell you is everybody's really – approaching this thing like there's this bowl pecking order and I'm not so sh- I'm not sure it's really that way anymore. Certainly, you know, uh, there are certain teams like a 9 and 3 LSU if they're not in a New Year's 6. Let's just say for instance, let's say they're not. Let's say LSU doesn't get in a, a New Year's 6 at 9 wins, they're not going to the Birmingham Bowl or you know, they're not going to the Liberty Bowl. Okay? We get that. Fine. So there's somewhat of a pecking order, but at the same time, 
the league went to this pool thing years ago and you know some schools and some fan bases are going to get you know um, a preference every now and then LSU being one of those uh, size of their fan base and television draw and some other things but there's going to be some rewarding that'll be done you know Kentucky for 9 wins will be rewarded but uh, Mississippi State will be, I think, rewarded too. They, they have the number one scoring defense in the country. They have the best defense in the country. They have a record-setting uh, school and SEC record-setting quarterback and a fan base with a first-year coach who's really going to follow them to this bowl game wherever they go. And so those things will be considered. Um, they will. And so you have this pool, and – you know, you got Charlotte, Houston, um, Tampa, Jacksonville, trying to think. You know, Liberty's kind of in there also. All those things will be considered as to where do you send somebody to maximize everybody's attendance in a bowl game. That's kind of one of the things they'll look at. And Nashville, I didn't mention Nashville, you know, in there is a possibility as well. Um, so everybody that's kind of looking at it, in the, those pool of bowls that I just mentioned and trying to send certain teams there based on their record, I just think that's faulty logic because that's not at all how the league's going to look at it. Um, you know, they'll look at the whole, every piece of the pie, you know, Kentucky, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, uh, all those teams, Missouri, who's an eight-win team, They'll, they'll look at all those teams in a pot, start sifting them out to this possibility, that possibility, and how does, as a whole, how do you maximize experience and attendance for teams and fan bases across those pool of bowls that you have? And I don't know that there's any way to you know, predict it based on the records of the teams. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, uh, so that'll pretty much wrap it up. Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast, the final regular season Sunday Morning Quarterback Podcast of the year, presented by Farm Bureau and by Mississippi Land Bank. But it ain't going to stop. It'll be a weekly thing right on up uh, going forward. Um, so as we make our way into December, um, each Sunday morning, tune it in. And you can follow me on social media at Radio Wyatt. You can uh, get it here on the Matt Wyatt Podcast. So it'll be a regular Sunday deal, early Sunday morning. Okay, got to shut up talking, stop recording, got to get it posted for you here today. Y'all have a great rest of the weekend. See you.